So to begin today's message, I want to ask you, why do you think it is that Jesus came? When you think about Jesus coming as a little tiny baby, why do you think it is ultimately that Jesus came, took on human form, lived a human life, went through everything that he went through? Why was it that Jesus came? For some of us, the answer may be that Jesus came to save us from our sin, that we would begin there and say that ultimately the reason why Jesus came was because we're all people who, at the core of who we are, make selfish decisions and self-centred decisions that aren't aligned with God's best, and so something needs to happen to fix all of that. And so the primary reason why Jesus came was to save us from that, to rescue us from that so that we were forgiven. So that might be the reason For some of us, we might say it's so that we could go to heaven. Jesus came so that we would be able to have the opportunity to live forever with God. And so that might be our answer. Some of us might say, well, it's Jesus came to teach us how to live. That ultimately Jesus came to be able to map out for us the best way of us being able to live our lives, the way that God always wanted us to be able to live. And so the teaching that we've got in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John That's the reason why Jesus ultimately came. Some might say, well, Jesus came to start the church. Jesus came so that groups like us could gather together to be able to centre ourselves on Jesus and to be able to live out what it means to be able to follow Jesus together. And so the primary reason why Jesus came was to start the church. All of those things are true, and all of those are very good reasons about why Jesus came. But for me, I think the primary answer about why Jesus came is love. That's the primary motivation, the sole reason why Jesus actually came to earth. And part of the reason why I believe that is because we're told that God is love. Not that God is loving, that God does loving acts, but that the very core and essence, the very character and nature of God is love. And therefore, everything that God does can only ever be motivated and inspired by love. So Jesus coming to earth was motivated and inspired by love. And Jesus ultimately comes to be love with skin on, to show us exactly what a life that's dedicated to love looks like, to show us what the love of God looks like and to allow us to be able to experience the love of God in our lives and ultimately to then give us the opportunity to be able to share that love with the people around us. And so today, as we continue our journey through this season of Advent, this season of building our sense of expectation and anticipation about what we get to celebrate on Christmas, today our focus is on love. Last week, we kicked this off by talking about two characters that met Jesus very early on in his life, Simeon and Anna, who we explore the theme of hope through their experiences, to talk about how Jesus comes to fulfil the hopes that have been there for centuries about what the Messiah was going to come to do, but also how Jesus gives us the opportunity to experience hope in our lives as well. And today we're going to unpack Mary's story a little bit and to be able to explore this theme of love. So you have your teaching notes inside the newsletter. If you want to jot things down as we go through today's message, feel free. And if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Luke chapter 1, because that's where we're going to spend some time today. We're going to pick things up in verse 46 in a couple of moments, but before that, we want to just give a little bit of context to this. And so we understand that the story of Mary is that she was greeted one day by this angel named Gabriel. A somewhat shocking thing that would happen where an angel suddenly appears before you and says to Mary, greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. 
And so we're told that Mary was confused and disturbed, which is probably one of the biggest understatements in the Bible, because I can imagine she probably was with this amazing angel standing in front of her. But the angel replies and says, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He'll be very great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Imagine you're Mary and you get told that. It's pretty staggering, right? Now, we need to be really, really disciplined about this because for many of us, this story is very, very familiar to us. Yeah, 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 angel appears, Mary, yeah. But just imagine for a moment that that happens to you tonight. You're at home and an angel comes and tells you you're about to get pregnant. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be the saviour of the world. How would you respond to that? How would you be feeling if that happened to you tonight? Mary replies, understandably, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I haven't slept with anyone. How on earth is this going to happen? And Gabriel replies and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby will be born holy. He will be called the Son of God. So once again, imagine that you're Mary. How would you respond if this is what you were told? And what are all the options about how Mary could have reacted to this news? Because we know what she did say, but just for a a moment, imagine all of the other ways that she could have responded. It's a pretty big inconvenience that she's being told. So you're about to have a baby. We understand that Mary was probably a teenager when this happened. So it's somewhat inconvenient, messing up her plans, no doubt, for her life in terms of what her expectations were would have understood if she was like, nah, I don't think so. That sounds like a little bit too much work. There's a fair bit of controversy attached to this. You would think that Mary's mind would have started racing. It's like, well, what are people going to say about me? And what are they going to say about my family? And what are they going to say about poor Joseph? And what are they going to say about Joseph's family? Like, this is not going to go down well for people. And I'm pretty sure most people aren't going to believe that uh, this was not something that was Joseph's responsibility. There's a fair bit of controversy. You can understand if Mary is like, sorry, but I'm just, I'm not up for that. I'm not interested in that whatsoever. For Mary, this is a complete life course change. So just again, remember, she's engaged to Joseph. She's got all of her life mapped out in terms of her expectations about how this is all going to play out. All tipped on its head. You're not going that way anymore. You're going this way. So we could understand if Mary is like, no, I've got my life planned out. Thank you very much. I'm good to go. We would understand if Mary had responded any of those ways. But what does Mary say? In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. That's staggering. How much courage does it take to say, God, whatever you want, I'm up for it. Whatever you need, I will participate in that. Well, Mary then goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is much older and has also been given some pretty staggering news that she is also pregnant with what we know is going to become John the Baptist. And so when Mary shares her news with Elizabeth, Elizabeth is super excited about that. And Mary then responds. And this is what we're going to have a look at today. Uh, from verses 46 to 55. Now, many people believe that this was actually a song that Mary sang. And so I've stumbled across the original recording and I'm going to sing it. Uh, No, I'm not. That's not true. So 
this is, you can imagine that this is a song or even just a beautiful poem uh, that she wrote. Mary responded in verse 46, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. What a beautiful song that Mary just comes up with to say, this is how I'm feeling about you right now, God. Now, the message uh, translation is something that is really, really helpful for us. And the message translation, for those who aren't aware, is uh, one version of the Bible that was written by a pastor whose name was Eugene Peterson. And uh, Eugene Peterson said, rather than how we normally do our Bible translations, which is to take the original language, find the equivalent English word, and then try and string those words together in a sentence that makes sense, Eugene Peterson's passion was to say the Bible was originally written in language that was normal for normal people. There wasn't any fancy words or fancy language there. It was all words that everyone would have understood. It was very earthy and very much accessible to everyone. So he said, rather than trying to find the English translation of these words, I'm going to try and find the original meaning and try and say, if that was being written today, what would that look like for us? And so that's why when we read the message, we often find that it's so accessible to us because it's written in language that is like the original was supposed to be, very much something that we can latch onto. So this is how he interprets uh, these verses in the message. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my saviour God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. How does Mary respond to this thing that comes across that was so unexpected for her? She just turns to praise and rejoicing, recognising how incredible God is. She recognises that God has been present from generation to generation and has had these plans in place for so long, that God's heart is always about justice and making things right, that God's passionate about being able to fulfil his promises. But Mary's response is most shocking because she's just saying, and how incredible is it that I get to participate in this? How amazing is it that God has chosen me to partner with him and to participate in this amazing work that's going to happen? Far from Mary focusing on how inconvenient this is or how hard it's going to be or how much it's going to mess her life up, she's able to zoom out and say, I want to look at this from God's perspective. 
I want to recognise how many people are going to be impacted because of me being able to participate in God's work. Why wouldn't I want to? That's amazing when I look at it that way. And specifically, what is this work that she gets to participate in? What's God going to do through Jesus? Well, that's what we talked about at the beginning. Yes, Jesus is going to come and rescue us from all of the selfish decisions that we're going to make. Yes, Jesus is going to give us the opportunity to be able to live forever as a part of God's family. Yes, Jesus is going to come and to teach us how to live the way that God created us to live. Yes, Jesus is going to establish the church. But above all, Jesus is going to come and bring God's love into human existence. Give us the opportunity to be able to once and for all see what God is like and to be able to encounter his love in powerful and tangible ways and to give us then the opportunity to be the people who then allow others to experience that love too. That's why Mary can't help but respond with joy and praise. I get to be a part of that happening. How awesome is this? How amazing is God that he would choose someone like me to be able to be a part of this amazing plan? So as we head towards Christmas, what's helpful for us is to recognise that all of us get the same invitation and the same opportunity. Now, in reality, I don't think any of us are probably going to end up playing quite the same role as Mary. I would assume that's probably not a part of the plan that God's got for anyone, any one of us that are sitting here today. But all of us are invited to participate and partner in God's work. Every single one of us has that opportunity presented to us. And ultimately, that participation and partnership allows us to help others to see and experience God's love. All of us get the opportunity to be a part of that. Practically speaking, what does that look like? Well, it's the simple things that we get to do. A kind or encouraging word for someone. Just sitting and listening to someone who needs to be able to share some things. Contacting someone who you know is sick or struggling or isolated to let them know that you're thinking of them and that you're praying for them. Buying a small but significant gift that means a lot to someone else to just say, I care about you. There are so many things that we get the opportunity to do day in and day out where we get to participate and partner with God in this work of sharing his love with the people around us. This week we had the privilege of being able to celebrate Anne Green's life at her memorial service and uh, the family wanted to pass on their thanks to all of you for your prayers and your thoughts and particularly those who helped out with the service. But as a part of the preparation for that, the family gave me a devotion that Anne wrote in 1962, so 60 years ago, that was just this beautiful four-page document that outlines how amazing God's love is. And I felt like it was appropriate to share one of the things that I shared at her service that she had written about what love looks like. Anne wrote these words. We may not all be able to stand before crowds and proclaim God's love, but we can be obedient and serve in many other ways. To love one another is perhaps the basis of all good. If we did not love one another, we would never think of doing the little, kindly, helpful things that mean so much to one who is sick or sad or lonely or needing help in material things. It's a beautiful summary of what love looks like. Obedient service. Choosing to say, how can I make a difference in this person's life? 
It's as simple as that. So the challenge for us is that when we get those little promptings, those little nudgings, those little invitations that God gives us, particularly over these next few weeks, how do we respond to that? Because sometimes we're confronted with the same things that Mary would have been confronted with. Sometimes it's a bit of an inconvenience. I don't know if I've really got time for that right now. I don't know if I can really be bothered right now. I've got a lot on my plate. I'm not sure that I can follow through and do that. Rather than focusing on that, can I step back and look at God's perspective? Be able to see what God can achieve through a simple act that I might choose to do. Partly the challenge for us is to push past individualism and to not just say this is all about me and how does this impact me, which is so much a part of our culture, but to be able to zoom out like Mary did and be able to get an eternal perspective and a global perspective. To be able to say, what's God's biggest story? Not just what's God up to in my life, but what is God up to through all of us who are a part of our church family? As I think about each and every one of us and the opportunities that we've got as we head into this week and beyond, and all of the different circles that we walk, if all of us took the opportunities to participate and partner in the work that God's doing to share his love, imagine the impact that that could have. We zoom out further and think about the impact of all of the churches that are a part of our Church of Christ in South Australia movement, all of the churches that we're connected with. We think about all of the churches beyond that, all of the churches that are a part of this city that we live in, in Adelaide. Zoom out further and think about what God is up to right across Australia, in all of the cities, in all the towns, the regional centres, the communities. What is God up to and what's God's heart from that perspective? Then we zoom out even further and recognise that God knows and cares about every single person who lives on this planet. All of the different cultures, all the different languages, all the different stuff that's going on blows my mind when I stop and think about what God's perspective is like. And so then when I zoom back in to just little old me, I'm partly confronted with what difference can I make? But I'm also challenged about saying, why would I stop the little opportunities that I've got to be able to make a difference? How can I participate in this global work that God is doing where he simply wants people to be able to encounter his love? So I want to give us an opportunity to be able to just reflect on that as we head into these next few weeks. In what ways can I participate in sharing God's love this Christmas? What does that look like for you? What are the opportunities that God's giving you to be able to share his love with the people that are a part of your life? Whatever that looks like, whoever you're connected with, what are the opportunities that are there? Let's take some time. You can jot some thoughts down on your uh, notes. You can feel free to have a chat with the person next to you. Let's take a few minutes to uh, reflect. Then we'll come back together and pray and transition to communion.
Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful that you come to unleash love on the world. And the whole reason that you come in the form of this tiny little baby who grows into a man is to unleash God's love into our existence, to reveal to us what God is and always has been and always will be, and that the core and essence and nature of God is love. We thank you that you came bringing a message of love, that you simplified things down to say that all that God's ever wanted from us is to love him and to love each other. We thank you for coming to show us what all of that looks like and to give us the opportunity to experience that love in tangible and real ways. We thank you for the way that we've encountered that love and the way in which in so many different ways we've experienced that uh, through what you've done for us but also through other people who've had an impact on our lives. And we thank you for this staggering reality that you choose to use us as the people who continue to allow others to experience and encounter that love. That you take ordinary people as you did all the way through the Bible, including people like Mary, just ordinary, normal people who were willing to say, I'm your servant. Whatever it is that you want me to do, make it so. We pray that as we head into these next few weeks in particular, that you would continue to challenge us about what it looks like to play the role that you've got for us to play, to participate and partner with you in the opportunities that we've got, to help people to encounter your love in tangible ways, to recognise that it's not necessarily about doing something grand and enormous, but it's those everyday acts of obedient service that can make a huge difference in people's lives. So we pray that you would prompt us that you would nudge us and that you would allow us to see the difference that we can make as we continue to obediently follow you. In your name we pray. Amen.